Hi, this is John Courtney, and you're listening to Stuart Pink on Phoenix FM. Yes, it is. And I'm delighted to say, zooming onto the show is pianist, singer, comedian, the man with a golden buzzer, Britain's Got Talent winner and all-round national treasure, John Courtney. Hello. Blimey, it's a, it's a bit early for national treasure, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm okay, thanks, Stuart. Yeah, not, not too bad. Keeping busy, which is very good after what we've been through. It's nice to get back out there and be doing some gigs and stuff. So always grateful for that. Yeah, enjoy myself. Excellent, excellent. We say national treasure. Um, could you describe exactly where you are uh, right now? Uh, right now, I'm near Manchester. I'm, I'm in my uh, home village called Mosley, which is about 25 minutes from Manchester City. Excellent. Um, Hang yeah. out in the garden. They kicked you out. Yes, I've been kicked out of the house. Yeah, I said I need my studio, but apparently the kids are more important. I don't know how that works, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> don't matter how many talent competitions you win, you're still not more important than no. that. Absolutely not. You got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. It's great to meet you, mate. Um, where do we start? I think it would be good to start. Um, obviously, lots of people know you from Britain's Got Talent, but because most people have seen you on there, uh, you kind of touched on it on on your your first song you did. Um, but you've done the whole long road, late night touring, performing life. Um, what are some of your memories performing before we saw you on, on Britain's Got Talent? Blimey. Um, well, I've been lucky. I mean, it's all I've ever done. I've, I've always sort of seemed to have been busy, which is nice. I don't think there were many people sort of doing what I did. I wasn't just doing stand-up um, or, you know, I wasn't sort of just doing a piano act. I wasn't a singer. I had this sort of variety show where it, it incorporated lots of... I was even did comedy magic for a while. Um, so I had this variety show. So I was quite lucky that I was getting booked. Um, I wasn't really catching with anyone. You know, they, they could book me with with comics and singers and whatever, and I'd sort of fit in and do my own thing. Um, and then the cruise industry came calling, and uh, I, I loved doing that. That was great, traveling the world and sometimes on some really high-end sort of ships and getting paid quite nicely to do it. But obviously a lot of time away from home, which which is always the deal in this business, whether you're on ships or whether you're doing the circuit in this country. It's a lot of, lot of mileage and a lot of times away from home. Um, but that's the nature of the business, you know. You, you, unless you're in the top sort of echelons of this business you, you take all the gigs that you can and some of them are good and some of them are not so good shall we say um so yeah i mean obviously bgt was always sort of on on my on my horizon and i always had a reason not to do it as i say i was i was quite lucky to be busy and i couldn't didn't always sort of think i'd, I'd take time out to to do bgt and put myself out there it's always scary to put yourself in, in front of judges in, in in any situation um and for a while as well, Simon was sort of dismissing a lot of acts using the cruise as a, a as a put down. And as I say, they were, they would give me quite a sort of a nice living at the time. But you do kiss your UK career goodbye when you decide to do the shit training length of period. Um, and, you know, people forget who you are in this country and it's hard to get back on the circuit. So yeah. I sort of resigned myself to that, really. I mean, I, I got quite, quite a niche for myself. Um, and then a couple of friends were saying to me, why don't you go on BGT? Why don't you do it? And I always had the same excuse. I said, well, I don't know what I do. I've, I've got an, an hour long one man show and the BGT give me three minutes. What the hell do I do in yeah. three minutes? As you could dance that down. It was a friend. Yeah. It was, and it was, it was a friend of mine who said, just write a song about why you're doing it. Right. And be sincere. And write a song about missing your family and, and maybe pick on the judges and, and, uh, write about here and now. So once I had that idea, that sort of gave me the motivation to do it. And, um, 
it just all went a bit crazy. I only went on there to perform at the Palladium. Any entertainer wants <laughs> to do the Palladium. So I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm the wrong side of 40. When else am I going to get the chance to do the Palladium? Um, so that was my sole, per- my sole reason. And, you know, I thought maybe if I get a bit of exposure, it won't do me any harm. And then it just went a bit nuts. <laughs> it did. It blew up from there. I mean, you mentioned it in did, there yeah. about, about playing the Palladium. Um, it must have been, I mean, casting our minds back to that sort of time back in 2020, Everything was kind of in lockdown. Showbiz kind of stopped. Virtual audiences everywhere. That felt weird for all of us. It must have been super weird for you in the middle of all that to then find yourself on the stage at the Palladium. Well, the audition was actually filmed in in January um, before any of this craziness started. So we had a full house and everybody was hugging and it was all (laughs) showbiz kisses and everybody was loving life. But then by the time it got broadcast, that was in April. And of course, by then everything had changed um, and there was talk about them cancelling the show and I was like now how cruel could this be to, for me to get Typical. this golden buzzer and this opportunity <laughs> and then be cancelled but obviously there were bigger things to worry about you know obviously people were suffering immeasurably so you know I wasn't going to complain and then luckily it did go ahead even with the, the virtual audience which was weird I mean I've spent my whole career thriving off that buzz that you get with a live audience and that was all taken away for the semis and the finals but like I say, you won't hear me complaining. It worked out all right for me. <laughs> Did all right in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's okay. a, I think we all had a little go at the virtual audiences, but it must have been the, the most bizarre in that, in that sort of context where you're expecting the biggest crowd of your life and suddenly they're all, all on a big Zoom meeting. Yeah, you just, you just have to remind yourself. I, mean, I was doing virtual shows from home afterwards on my, for my studio and I've, I, I've still got the little post-it notes stuck underneath the lens of my camera and it just says... Remember, there is an audience there. Because <laughs> you, you do some of these virtual shows, you can't even hear anybody or see anybody. So it's yeah. just you and the lens of a camera, and it's so easy to sort of, you know. And I, I mean, I did shows to thousands of people, it's like these corporate events, you know, and you just couldn't see or hear anyone. And then you get this feedback <laughs> from hundreds of people going, that was amazing. And so, yeah, I've got this little post it note. Remember, they are there, which is a good, you know, it's a good, good moral for, for showbiz anyway. <laughs> Yeah, insert laugh here. They did find that funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've all seen you on there. Um, For anyone who hasn't seen you on Britain's Got Talent, how would you describe what it is you do to someone who's been sleeping under a rock? Um, Well, I think what I did on BGT was quite unique to BGT. I hadn't really done that sort of thing before. I mean, I was writing about sort of the here and now. And then obviously once we knew about the pandemic and the whole world was going through it, I tried to tap into that because as as a comedian and as a songwriter, you want to write stuff that people can relate to. You know, a, a, an effective joke is people going, oh, yeah, I do that, or I know what you mean. Or, and the same with the song. If, if you can tap into that, then people can relate to it. So, of course, I couldn't miss the opportunity of being able to sort of use what everybody was experiencing um, and hopefully try and make people feel better because we were all feeling pretty, pretty awful about everything. And I thought, well, if I can try and write an upbeat song and make people feel that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, maybe that's a good thing regardless of it being a competition you know if you're writing a song you want people to think that's a good song um yeah. so i didn't i did i tried not to treat it like a competition i just wanted to try and write something fun and feel good and i hadn't really tapped into that before that wasn't really my thing my thing was always comedy I always want to make people laugh and, and and feel good from laughing um and maybe i don't know right time right place people were quite desperate to laugh People wanted to find the funny and find the feel good. So maybe I, you know, I could tap into that. Um, and now that's sort of what my show is. I mean, I'm still trying to make people laugh. And um, although my latest show, which I'm uh, bringing down to your, your, your neck of the woods for a preview, 
um, is different again. Uh, hopefully feel good, but I'm sort of trying to, during the whole BGT thing, we kept it a big secret, but I was going through a cancer a uh, cancer crisis, if you like, at the time, oh, wow. um, which, which we kept a secret because I didn't, you know, BGT love a good story. And I didn't want that to be my story. I, yeah. I didn't want to be judged uh, like the sympathy vote. You know, having done this for 25 odd years, it would be awful to think that people were voting for me for a, symp- a, a, a sympathy vote. So we kept it a secret. Um, so while I was at this sort of my career high, um, it was touch and go with my health for, for quite a long time there oh my god and so i've i've sort of written a show about it because it has got a, a, a happy ending I'm, I'm i'm all good now i had an immunotherapy and a couple of sort of pretty major operations um so i wrote i wrote a show about it partly for me for, for therapy to get it out there but also obviously you know cancer affects so many of us it, it, it's one in two people these days um and even if it's not directly we all know somebody and, you know, I think men and British people in general, we, we don't talk about our feelings as much as we should. So I've, I've written this sort of crazy comedy cancer show. It's, it's a really hard show <laughs> to try and sell. Um, but it is feel good and it incorporates all the BGT stuff and the stuff that was going on. And then I'm telling the story that was going on behind the scenes. So that's my thing at the moment, which you get, it's a whole new, a whole new thing for me. It, it, it's, it's a new show. It's a, a one-man musical. Uh, and I'm really excited. We're taking it up to Edinburgh. And our first preview is going to be down at the Brentwood Theatre. So I'm um, really excited about it. And that's, that's what I'm doing now. Yeah, another thing. <laughs> I can't think of anyone better to be doing it and to, to, to tackle a difficult subject like that and make people laugh. I've, I've heard the tracks on your, your, your album, which is out on Spotify and all the streaming places. Yeah. You have a real talent with, with finding the funny, but also connecting with people and, and having a, a way with words. Oh, thanks. So. Thank you. That's a great, great line to take. Um, regular listeners of, of Felix FM know I write comedy poems. I play guitar. Putting the two together is a totally different ball game. Uh, what came first for you? Was it the, the comedy and the laughs or the, the poetry or the, I think the was, piano? I, I think it was always, always the comedy professionally. I mean, I played piano my whole life. I played piano since I was about five years old. And I, I always liken it to young kids learning a second language. You don't think it's special. You just do it. You, just, you can just do it. And I could play by ear, so I didn't have any lessons. I could just pick songs up in my head. Um, so I never thought that was going to be a career. That was just something that I enjoyed doing, and it was fun. I did it my whole life. And then getting into the comedy magic when I was a kid and watching Tommy Cooper when I was a kid growing up, um, I thought, you know, this is, this is what I can do. I can make people laugh. And, com- and the magic was a hook for that. And it wasn't until I was in my 20s, really, that I started thinking maybe... I remember seeing a guy called Victor Borger, which some of your listeners might be too young to, to remember. I mean, he was around in sort of the 50s, 1950s. Um, and his, his comedy is timeless. I mean, he's on YouTube now, uh, B-O-R-G-E, Victor Borger. And his, his comedy is still funny. And I, I saw him when I was a kid. My, my dad told me about him. And I thought, wow, you, you can be funny with a piano. Of course, nowadays, you've got your, your Bill Bailey's and, and Tim Minchin, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Um, and, and people like Dudley Moore were, were doing it back in the day. Of course, Victoria Wood, um, who I absolutely love. So there were people being funny with the piano. Once I realised that in my late teens, sort of early 20s, um, I started moving a bit away from the magic and trying to incorporate the piano more. And that led to the songs and, and parodies and, and the lyrics and that kind of stuff. It's just, I mean, it's always evolving. I've never, I've never sat down with pen and paper and written a show until I wrote this new one. Um, up until the, up until now, my show just evolved over years. You know, you think of a, a line here, a joke here, a song here, and it, the yeah. show gradually expands. 
it wasn't until I wanted to write this new show against the odds that I actually sat down with a pen and paper and wrote a whole a whole show. So that was a new experience for me, which I really enjoyed. Um, scary, of course, when you're just starting from scratch. Um, <laughs> I guess quite yeah, cathartic I, I, with your story that you want to kind of bring forward. Yeah, it really was. I mean, I went to some really dark places during the during the sort of health crisis that I didn't think I'd go to. I've never been that guy. I've always been happy and fun. I'm, I'm the guy that makes other people sort of cheer up, you know. Um, and during this sort of health crisis, I, I, I needed help myself. And I, I was great. I was, I was put in touch with some Macmillan therapists and, and friends and family really sort of rallied around me. And I realized the power of talking and just getting it out there, how, how, how therapeutic that is. Um, so hopefully this is going to help some people in that regard as well. And also laughing. I mean, it's a great British trait that we laugh in the face of adversity. We've done it since we've oh, done it through two world wars. You know, it, it's just what we do. We wrote songs about Hitler, even though what he was doing was appalling. We wrote songs about him and laughed at him. And that took away some of his power. So I did that with some of the social media trolls. I wrote a song called Body with a Buzzer. And I've done it with cancer. I, I'm, I'm sort of laughing at it and saying, you know, this doesn't have to beat us. We can laugh at it and we can maybe that can help us get through some of these experiences. That's the, that's the idea. That's the angle. So they can see you uh, performing in Brentwood at the Brentwood theater on Tuesday. Yeah. The first on Tuesdays on the tour. Yeah. It's, it's the first preview. It'll be the first public um, performance of it. So um, yeah, it's, it's uh, as I say, I'm, I, I don't normally get nervous on stage, but I think this is going to get the butterflies going. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Suffolk boy originally. I don't know if I should mention that to your listeners, but I was brought up in Suffolk. Oh, he's from um, down there. Yeah. yeah I, I had a girlfriend in Essex when I was younger. Um, so I spent a lot of time there. Uh, so it was great that my first, actually the, the director of my show is, is from down there too. So that's why we, we've got the first preview down there. So Brentwood Theatre on Tuesday. It'd be great if some of your listeners want to come along, come say hi after the show. I'll be doing a, a meet and greet afterwards. It'd be lovely to meet them. Yeah. That sounds amazing. So what can we expect? We can expect songs. There's a bit of comedy in there. You're chatting as well. Yeah, it, it, it's got all the BGT music. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the stuff that I did on the show and also stuff that I've written since then. Some of the songs I did in my UK tour last year, that it's all tied together with this other story that hasn't really been, I haven't really talked about. And I've written a lot, a lot of new songs for it as well. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's not the whole show. It's, it's more like a play. It's more like a play with, with music. Um, it's got some serious moments. It's got some poignant moments. Um, maybe there's a few moments that might tug on your heartstrings, but at the end of it, I'm hoping people are going to leave feeling good feeling that they you know, they can they, they can talk about these things um and uh you know if anybody they know or they themselves are going to anything like this i'm hoping this is going to make them feel better about it and maybe be able to deal with it a little bit easier because it certainly helped me amazing and of course i'm sure and and dick and simon and david they all go along <laughs> yeah oh, well hopefully i mean if they shop at Brentwood, that'll be a great boom <laughs> <laughs> of course bring your own golden buzzer yeah yeah amazing john good luck with the show it sounds amazing people can see you obviously in brentwood on tuesday where else are you going after that have we got dates in the time oh, yeah we've got other previews happening i'm doing the bedford fringe uh, at the end of july we're doing the lowry theater in manchester uh, mid-july and then edinburgh starts the first two weeks of august at the gilded balloon in edinburgh so if any uh, any of your Essex listeners ma- manage to make it that far north, come and come and see me in Edinburgh. It's going to be fun. The <laughs> magic of the Fringe Festival. 
I presume yeah. you've been there many times before. What's it going to be like going back now? No, not not many. I've, I've been oh. there once as a, as a punter. I've always been too busy to go up there and do a show. So BGT has given me that that opportunity, really, to go up there with a bit of a name behind me, which, which can help, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, my first time performing at the Fringe. I'm, I'm really excited. Amazing. We expect to see you outside uh, with moving statues and, and all sorts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John, what's coming next after the tour in in future? If you've got a crystal ball, what, what's what's coming forward? Um, well, I'm doing my first panto in 20 years. We're doing that in St. Helens this year. I'm playing Dandini and Cinderella, so that's going to be exciting. Oh, and then amazing. hopefully we're going to be touring a version of this Edinburgh show in 23. Um, it's going to get a bit more of a rewrite, expanded a bit more because it's only about 45, 50 minutes at the minute, which is all you can do at Edinburgh. Um, so I'm hoping to expand it and uh, make it into a bit of a longer show and take it on a theatre tour in, in 23. So hopefully we'll get back to Essex in that area. Um, so even if they miss it on Tuesday, hopefully we'll be back in 2023. Yeah. But see it now because you can catch all the best bits before they get yeah. edited out. Yeah. <laughs> be the first, yeah, exactly. Be the, be the first people to see it. Yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> John, good luck with it. It sounds amazing. I look forward to seeing you on Tuesday. Um, where can people keep up with all your exploits and stuff and, and track you down? Yeah, my website's johncourtney.com. Uh, Courtney's a bit of a weird spelling, but um, if, you, if, if, you, if you haven't seen it on the telly, it's C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y, johncourtney.com, and all the tickets and details are on there. Lovely. And we'll put a link on phoenixfm.com for people to find it too. John, good luck. Brilliant. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks for having me on the show. All the best. Thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed the interview, then please share it. Uh, If you didn't enjoy it, then share it anyway. (laughs) For more guest interviews like this, or to get the next one delivered directly to your device, subscribe to the Now You're Talking podcast. You'll find it wherever you get your podcasts from, and the whole thing has become a huge library featuring well over 150 guest interviews from music, film, comedy icons to community heroes, local legends, stars of the future and just about everybody in between. A treasure trove of life's stories from all sorts of incredible people. So for more interviews, podcasts, videos, poems and books, everything I do is available at stuartpink.com. Hi, this is John Courtney and you're listening to... I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's Stuart Pink. I was going to say Steve Pink. Ah, I get that a lot. I must look like Steve. <laughs> you do look like Steve. I'll do it again. Okay.